You now have one minute to abandon ship. The ship will automatically destruct in T minus one minute. I will win the crowd. I will give them something they've never seen before. Indiana, we are simply passing through history. This, this is history. Hold on to your butts. Now, what shall we talk about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the very, very first Duel of the Greats podcast. Folks, since this is our first episode... We'll obviously want to tell you what we're all about here. So first things first, the hosts. We'll let everybody introduce ourselves, but just for now, I, my name is Jeff Herr. I um longtime movie fan, cinephile, if you will, um, with me, my good friend Steve Shepard, also in the same category, and also with us is Nate Carter, who is actually the most astute of all of us with his with a film degree. We'll, we'll let you actually tell what you... I don't know if it's actually called a film degree or not. But um, before we get to the introductions, just breakdown of the show. What is Duel of the Greats all about, right? So first, the show, it, it came about, the brainchild was Steve Shepard and I long talking about Steve is a big, big fan of Ridley Scott. Myself, I'm a big fan of Steven Spielberg. We both like both directors, of course, but... Um, bigger fan of one over the other. And we're like, let's, I wonder what, you know, comparing their filmographies, we noticed that the very first movie that, that uh, Ridley Scott directed was called The Duelists. And the very first movie that Steven Spielberg directed was called Duel. And we thought that was interesting. We're like, we could make a podcast about this, comparing their filmographies. And then after we saw that, we're like, we could call it Duel of the Greats. And thus, the podcast was born. That was like two years ago. And we just kind of, kicked around ideas and stuff, and then we brought Nate into the fold. Um, so, you know, what we're going to cover here, in this first episode, we'll be talking about those first two movies, but before we get into that, we'll do formal introductions. So like I said, my name is Jeff Herr. Um, I have, I've hosted a, a podcast before. I hosted a Royals podcast for eight years, so if anybody knows me from there, um, you may recognize the, the dulcet tones you're hearing right now. But um, uh, just in terms of my movie chops, I'm just a big fan. I've read a lot, read a lot about movies, watch a lot of movies, etc. Love talking about them. Uh, and that's the, what podcasts are for, people who love talking about stuff. So um, without, without any further ado, then, we'll go to our next, our next host, Stephen, Steve Shepard. Give, give him, give him your, your spiel. Who are you? I am uh, Steve Shepard. I work with Jeff. I'm a lawyer by training and an uh, auditor at a bank. Uh, for a living, which is just the height of excitement, I know. So people will be thrilled to hear my opinions about movies. Um, I have no special training in films, but as Jeff indicated, I love movies. I've loved them my entire life. Uh, Nate and I, Nate is my cousin, you'll hear that. He and I, we would go see a movie almost every week back when we were in middle school, high school, once we could start driving. And it's always been just a huge part of my life. And um I don't bring a super critical eye to this. I'm mostly just kind of reacting. I go a lot on, on feels. How do things make me feel? So I'm very excited for this, though. And to be, to be clear, the opinions espoused in this podcast are Steve and my owns. They have nothing to reflect from our place of work. <laughs> so please. Absolutely. Please keep that clear. Uh, next is Nate Carter, Steve's cousin, Nate Carter. Nate, tell us a little bit about yourself and give what the actual name of your, your degree is, because I'm sure I butchered it. I actually have a degree from the University of Kansas, Rock Chalk, uh, in film and media studies, was what my bachelor degree was in. So I have a little bit of educated background in that. I um, was really into filmmaking. As Steve said, there was a period of time, probably from like 2002 to 2005 where we saw a movie every single week i think i saw every single major motion picture released uh, from those years and uh i got really into filmmaking i actually took part in some independent film productions when i was in college and through my 20s so 
I think you guys brought me in to kind of maybe provide that sort of filmic background and some level of expertise uh, in terms of actual filmmaking and techniques and the things that filmmakers might do to make their uh, to make their films. For for those that know us, um, Steve and I are, are sort of known in our our friend groups for our our legendary arguments. As legendary as these directors are, <laughs> our, our arguments may be as, as equally legendary. So the part of the impetus, too, was, was for not only Nate's expertise, but then a, a calm head to prevail in case anything got too heated on the podcast. We could have somebody else. Somebody's got a raise um, And the, the fourth and slightly uh, – uh, he's not, not nameless, of course, because I'm going to give you his name, but our fourth, our silent partner – is our fearless producer Brandon Nichols? Um, Brandon, you can you can say hi real quick. Um, hi, real quick. <laughs> he's handling all our technical stuff, and we are operating this podcast under his um, PSA Inc. label. So, very much thank you for that, Brandon. So, yeah, totally great. That's the intro for us. That's the first the first breakdown of what we're all about here. So now, going into Season one, episode one of the podcast here, what are we talking about? So as I mentioned in our blurb at the beginning, we're talking about Steven Spielberg and Ridley Scott, right? Two absolute legendary directors, some of the most famous movies of all time. Um, So the idea is throughout the course of this season, each episode, we have it blocked out. We're going to have, we're going to talk about, each episode will have a theme, and then we have the... Um, one movie from each director who kind of fits the theme and we'll compare and contrast, you know, how does Ridley Scott handle this and how does Steven Spielberg handle that, etc. The first episode, of course, the theme is as easy as it gets is, you know, first episode, first movies. So the first movies for Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg, and that's thus the the name of of the podcast, um, Duel and Duel of the Greats. So um, Steve did a ton of research on this and he's got a lot of background on both these movies. So Steve, I'm going to let you take over and you can kind of give us the, uh, the breakdown of, of how these movies came to be and some interesting facts about them as well. All right, sweet. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about either of these movies before I, before we started looking into this, which makes me feel kind of like a poser, uh, saying I'm a fan of Spielberg and Ridley Scott, but they are both pretty fascinated in how there's no, there's about. no fan gating on this podcast. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Everybody's welcome. Everybody, everybody come on in. Um, <clears throat> there are several sources I looked at ranging from Wikipedia to some books full of interviews with Spielberg and Ridley Scott. I'm not going to bore you with lists and uh, all of them right now, but I think we can probably drop a list in the, the description if anybody wants to read further on these. Um, but, uh, a couple of good ones were there's Steven Spielberg, a bi- biography by Joseph McBride and uh, Ridley Scott, a biography by Vincent Lobruto. I probably mispronouncing that, but, uh, so some fun facts. Duel was released in 1971 and Duelists 1978. They're obviously both first films by these directors. And these guys are a wide, wide different, uh, excuse me, widely different ends of the spectrum. Uh, when they actually, uh, released their f- first films, Steven Spielberg was 25 when he directed this Ridley Scott was 39. And we can get into that later, how that affects maybe how they approached some of these uh, projects. But, Duel was originally a TV movie, made for TV movie, was uh, on ABC, and it later got an extended uh, theatrical release. Um, it was, uh, it's kind of turned into a cult classic, apparently, which is something I didn't know, um, and people just absolutely are uh, crazy about this movie, so it's uh, it's something we're going to be interested to talk about. It stars Dennis Weaver, and uh, pretty much only Dennis Weaver, uh, there are other people in it, but he's the only one probably worth mentioning at this point. Um, the, uh, the plot synopsis of it is essentially man in a sedan is chased by a truck. It's about as simple as it gets. Um, I, there's no use in really delving deeper on that until we get into the details of what and why, uh, certain things happen. Ridley Scott's film, the duelists, uh, this is based on a Joseph Conrad of hearts of darkness, uh, fame, uh, it is a short story, ironically called the duel. Um, and uh, it was adapted and uh, obviously directed by Ridley Scott, who is on record as saying he doesn't actually like Joseph Conrad because he had, quote, a low sense of humor, which kind of makes sense if you've ever read or any Joseph Conrad or anything like that. 
this is for people that don't know the inspiration for apocalypse now also it's just it's not uplifting stuff yeah yeah this is not a lighthearted romp at the movies on saturday night so just any of joseph conrad's stuff is not exactly right it's not a uh, super fun read um the duelists is uh it was shot in a crazy short amount of time which was fascinating to me three weeks which seemed wild to me but again not the expert maybe nate could tell us more about that but the entire production schedule was from late September of 1976 all the way to Christmas Eve. But the actual shooting was only three weeks. So they really kind of jammed it in there. Um, that's really kind of the basics about both of those in terms of just fun facts. Uh, plot synopsis on the duelists. I should probably go with that. It's essentially very sim- uh, it's very simple as well. Two guys in the Napoleonic Wars, French officers. One of them accidentally... It seems upsets the other one. The other one holds a grudge, challenges them to a duel. And for the next 13, 14, 15 years, they duel each other at regular intervals all throughout the Napoleonic Wars. We have two movies here with very simple premises, but they, they have uh, very different outcomes and uh, I think different effects. Another basic fact I'll add about them, uh, Steve, that you kind of almost brought up is they were both shot uh, in a very short amount of time on very small budgets. Duel was shot for $450,000, which even at that time was a pretty small oh budget, but for a made-for-TV movie, that was probably on par for what they were shooting like a big made-for-TV movie for. The Duelist really surprised me because it's a period piece, and they shot it for $900,000. So even less than a million dollars, even then, was kind of rare for like a major motion picture period piece. That is crazy. That, and- I mean, that's nothing, especially... Yeah, and with with dual, you can you can kind of tell, you know, yeah. the the production values are are lower, especially for Spielberg. But um, that's really surprising about the Duelists because the production production values are fantastic. The costumes and everything, I was amazed. I was like, how the hell did Ridley Scott get the approval for this? Because I just assumed the budget was huge. So that's really impressive um, that they were able to do that with like the costume design. And I mean, the sets were just kind of you know, places in Europe. So I guess that was... Well, yeah, and that's probably how they cut down on it. Both were shot clearly on location the whole time. So even the Duelist is being shot at all of these historical places, you know, uh, in and around France that they've basically just made up to look uh, like they looked during that time, which you don't really have to do that much with a lot of those old buildings in France. So they were both shot on location, which probably helped the budget a lot. And, you know, and that's kind of a good segue into the next point because, um, you know, if we're comparing and contrasting these two films, like one of the things, the first thing that stuck out to me after watching both of them is how it was, how strikingly similar they actually are. Like when I saw, okay, Duel and the mm-hmm. Duelist, I was like, this is probably just coincidence and they're not going to be very similar at all. But no, it was very, very similar actually. And, uh, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me for both is they were they were shot just beautifully. Like both, I mean, yeah. there's a reason both directors are legendary and they have, um, but like, you know, they were shot beautifully, but for like different ways, right? You know, because you have just the amazing landscapes of the duelists and these fantastic shots of you got a sunset in France and and the, you know, the the silhouettes of the two characters dueling each other and, and then, you know, the... Uh, the claustrophobic, the really tight shots from, mm-hmm. from Spielberg, but then also like the um, the landscape. I mean, it's a desert landscape, and that can be really beautiful if it's shot well. And, I mean, he really nailed it. So that was, you know, as far as the comparing of the two, going in, I thought, okay, these are it's just going to be coincidental that, that with the titles, and they're not going to be similar. But I was was struck by how similar they actually are, not only in, in how they were shot, but then the um, the actual... Um, plotting and the pacing as well was actually was actually so much maybe not the pacing as much but the plotting was actually rather similar too. I don't know. Did you guys feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. It, it, that's one thing. Like you said at the very beginning, the intro, the idea, the genesis of this podcast was, hey, these these seem kind of similar on the surface, and it. I think this is going to be a recurring theme. There's, you know, at first glance they don't look that similar, but as we dig into it, it re- there really are so many similarities in between the way they were made. But like you were saying, just the actual of them. Um, I think really the quality, I think the quality that they both exhibit 
and I'm agreeing completely with you, is these are both filmmakers that are incredibly patient. And they allow the stories to breathe, and you don't see that as much anymore. There's a really particular moment in The Duelist where I think it's their second duel, and they're just dueling with swords. And there's this really, really long shot where they are holding their swords against each other. And it just lasts just like longer than you think, yeah. almost an uncomfortable length you can tell Ridley Scott is just milking this moment and it's just this level of anticipation. Spielberg does the exact same thing with Duel. Now it's paced differently and it's cut and it's edited differently, but both these movies are a real slow burn and the filmmakers mm-hmm. are really, really patient and they, they really make you wait a long time until you get some kind of a payoff. And that was absolutely something that I noticed uh, about both of them. I had already seen Duel, um, but I had never seen The Duelist, so, and I'm not sure what you guys' experiences with these films were uh, before this, but I had never seen The Duelist, and I watched it for the first time to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. I actually, it was the, it was the first time for me for both of them, and it's actually, it's okay. funny, because you mentioned that shot. I actually have that down in my notes. Like, it was interesting because, <laughs> um, so, as a brief aside here, I'm, I'm really big into um, fighting video games. And there's a game called Samurai Showdown. And the way that game is structured is it's not like super combo heavy. It's just, you know, two or three hits and you're, you're pretty much dead, right? So um, well, there's like a very famous match in, one of, in a, a high-level fighting game tournament at Samurai Showdown where both characters just sat there for, you know, you have 60 seconds per round. And they just sat there for 55 seconds and waited until... You know, one person just tried to make because they both they both knew that okay, if you got one hit, you're basically dead. And so like everyone just talked about this, you know, and that was exactly my thought when I first saw that. And I was like, this is so perfect because that's yeah. I mean, they just sat there like barely touching tips of their swords, <laughs> and it was uh, yeah, it was phenomenal because exactly you, you know, he he just gave it that little extra. You're like, okay, now it's gonna happen. Now 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 it's gonna happen. Now now it's gonna happen. And then it finally. Yeah, and it was fantastic. And then, kind of in a similar way, the um, the scene in in Duel when um, you know he's very, when they very first approaches the truck and he's like kind of weaving out like, okay, can I pass now? Can I can can I pass now? You know, it's very similar there. And like I'm I'm sitting there like all tensed up because I've been there on the highway trying to pass a slow ass <laughs> truck, and I'm like, oh, can I make it? Can I do it? And so yeah, like, it's just just do it, man, do it. <laughs> I know yeah, it's hard. It, and um, I, I thought interesting too was was the structure that I was kind of surprised at how because you know you mentioned like the second duel Nate and they had like very demarcated duels you know and they had um, these they actually you know they had little title cards that was you know fifteen years of past or whatever and and they have their next duel when they meet each other and then you know it's obviously a much more compressed time frame for duel the movie but um, the the way you know the, the the first time the the truck is just does something where you're like whoa this guy's an a hole what's going on and then he pulls over and he gets gas and then the truck comes back and then he goes over goes to a diner and he stops and then the truck comes back you know so it's very like there are separated kind of duels on the road very similar to how they were separated in the duelist which is another thing that I was just kind of like I was, I was like this is eerie how similar they are. Um, I think another similarity that I really saw between them uh, that I liked about both of them was sort of this performative nature of masculinity that obviously it's about dueling and in The Duelist it's very much this uh, sort of weird Napoleonic War etiquette that they're trying to follow uh, with these duels because like at any point they could just kill each other but they don't like they have these very specific rules that they are tied down to. Not so much um, in the duel, in duel, but uh, you do very much see this. Uh, you know, toward the end, it kind of becomes this very much this battle to the point that uh, you know the driver of this car is just like, "I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to beat this truck somehow." And I think you see that across uh, a lot of their films. I think that that is definitely a th- piece of thematic material. Uh, you see it, and this is a movie we'll talk about here in a few weeks, but you see it's all over Jaws. That performative masculinity mm-hmm. is all over Jaws. Um, I think you see it a lot with War of the Worlds and this idea of like, 
I can be a father. I'm a father too. And that, you know, the theme of fathers is obviously very prevalent with Spielberg. I think in Ridley Scott, see it with Gladiator. Um, in a weird way, you kind of see it with Alien, even though it takes on sort of the, a female role, actually kind of tries to fill in sort of this masculine role. And I didn't really anticipate seeing that as much when I rewatched Duel, but it was definitely uh, there as well uh, with both that and The Duelist. One interesting thing, going back to kind of the the history of this uh, of these these films and when they were made, uh, there were quotes from both filmmakers, essentially saying that I don't think I would ever make this movie again, same way or even you know with the same kind of feel. But it's so much their so much of their D both of these. Uh, so you know, despite them knowing that, you know, you can't capture lightning in a bottle again and that every film is different and they're growing every time they make one. I mean, it's got their fingerprints all over it. It's yeah. So like, especially with dual, like the very, like as it started out, I actually was thinking it's very unlike Spielberg at first because like there were so many tight shots. Like he's, that's Mm -hmm. just not what he does. Um, and you know, you kind of have to be cause it's in the car and you're trying to get these claustrophobic, but like, it was almost like Tarantino esque shots where it's just like, you know, one eye in, in half the camera yeah. and, and the rear view mirror in the back of his head, you know, so you kind of get these juxtaposed shots. And then, um, as he's passing the truck for the first time, then we get this sweeping shot. That's just incredible where it comes from like outside the back of the truck and goes or outside the back of the car all the way around to the truck as he's passing. And then I literally put in my notes. I was like, there he is. You know, that's, you know, there was like the exact same shot in minority report almost where he's just like, as he's on the highway, it's just, you know, and it actually like they have the technology at that point to actually kind of, uh, phase into the car, um, with the same shot. So yeah, I, I uh, it was kind of interesting, and and I thought like, um, specifically, but it, there was so much with all the tight shots and stuff that it was just, it's interesting that you say that they both said that they would never do it again. Because I, I was telling my wife after seeing both of them, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this from either director, and that makes sense if that's how their own philosophy is, mm-hmm. because especially with Duel, um, when when he gets run off the road the first time and he has the accident where he hits the fence and he goes into the diner and there is a one continuous tracking shot as he goes into the diner and slowly walks through, goes into the bathroom, washes his hands. He's got a voiceover. He's talking to himself, goes out of the bathroom and then to leave. And like, I've never seen Spielberg do a tracking shot like that. Um, I mean, that was like, um, I mean, De Palma or something, you know, that you would see. And I just thought that was like, it's like, man, I loved it, and I was, but I've I've never seen him do something like that. I was like, it, it's interesting that, like you said, there is so much of their DNA, but there's also a lot of that stuff that they were a little bit more experimental because it was their first time out, uh, yeah, and they found what that. looked it's for almost it. like they're experimenting. Yeah, but they found what worked for them, and and they capitalized on it moving forward in their careers. And you know, for whatever reason, Spielberg was like, I guess this tracking shot, you know, this type of thing doesn't work for me. Um, so yeah, that's it's interesting that that they both said that because it makes a lot of sense. I think that in particular, the thing that I really never see Spielberg do in that exact same sequence is just the voiceover narration. He is so, he is such a visual filmmaker and he communicates everything visually. And I, I'm trying to now think of examples, and I'm sure maybe there's some other example that exists, but there are, are these long stretches in Duel where he is very indebted to these internal thoughts and this internal monologue of the character. And I, whenever I see something like that, and this is a good example of how a filmmaker can sort of grow and evolve, whenever I see internal monologue like that, I wonder if you completely took this out, if you completely took out the internal monologue, would the audience still be able to understand what was going on? And Spielberg is such an intuitive visual filmmaker that I think probably in that sequence you'd be able to figure out be able to figure out that he's looking across the diner. He's trying to figure out who the truck driver is. He keeps glancing out. I don't think that he really needed that, but he was just young. He's doing a made for TV movie. And maybe he just thought that was in the script. And I need the voiceover narration to just dumb it down for the audience and tell them what the guy's thinking. And I don't think he needed that. Your instincts are a hundred percent on point. So the network executives 
added that. That originally was not part of the the voiceovers. I, like, I'm not. We need, we need more exposition here. I'm, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. And it's and again to compare the filmmakers. Uh, you know, when you talk about not necessarily for the duelist, but when you talk about something like uh, Blade Runner, that you know it has that voiceover narration that everybody hates, and Ridley Scott didn't want it. Ridley Scott thought that he was communicating everything visually and the studio pressured him to put in this weird voiceover narration that just tells the audience exactly what year it is and everything that's happening. I think that uh, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. To, and I didn't know that. Um, thank you for the research, Steve, because I'm not surprised at all to read that Spielberg probably just wanted to do it visually and they made him like dumb it down and like put this voiceover narration in that they probably just did in post right over the finished film. Yeah, and that's so funny because I literally one of my notes was voiceover, very unspielberg. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, but that you know, and that also, kind of as their career goes on, you know, Spielberg and Scott become to the point where they no longer get strong armed by the studios to do that kind of stuff. Like nobody's yeah. telling Spielberg at this point in his career or really Scott, hey, you really need a voiceover. It'd be like, oh, go fuck yourself. You know, <laughs> they're not. Uh, like that story about James Cameron uh, make wanting to make Avatar, and he was like, Titanic paid for this damn studio. You're going to listen to me, and, and my, <laughs> you're going to make my movie for me. So, you know, that's that's fun. Um, so that those are a lot of the similarities. You know, what, what did you really see as the differences? I, I think the main difference, and I don't even know, um, you know, this is just kind of a consequence of the nature of the stories themselves, but um, pacing is one. The, 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 they were both yeah, deliberate, yeah. but... You know, dual, you've got two cars on a road, on a highway, trying to pass each other, and, and, and you know, it's faster. It's faster, it's quicker. Um, the action scenes are, are more, you know, action-packed, if you will, whereas the, the duelists, obviously, you know, they literally have some voiceover guys, you know, 15 years later, the worst absolute worst narrator i've ever seen that was horrible i hated that in the duelist i was like what is this guy um but he did you know comes on 15 years later they in the north of france or whatever it is and uh and then it's you know very slow and delivered. like we already talked about that second scene where they're just you know waiting and waiting so it's that was definitely the the most standout difference to me for the for the um, between the two did you guys what were the other big ones that you thought were different between them so I don't know if maybe my perception on this is just uh, all kinds of wrong, but one of the biggest differences to me was despite us not knowing a ton about the background of uh, Dennis Weaver's character in Duel, we get glimpses of it. Um, you know, we see, I believe it's a flashback to uh, him and his wife, or maybe it's just when he's on the phone with her, but we see kind of some, you know, some of his domestic life. And then there's also... It's either it's explicitly said that he was in Nam, or it's just heavily hinted at. But to me, this thing screamed PTSD the whole time. Like the truck is almost a representation of PTSD uh, and trauma, and it's you know he cannot get away from this. Yeah, he and definitely said in one of his voiceovers, just like a Nam or whatever. Okay, good. I thought, yeah, my notes I wrote, bro has PTSD from Nam, but I can't remember if it was explicit or not. Um, so. To me, I feel like we actually learn quite a bit about his character and his motivation, kind of you know what drives him. Whereas in the Duelists, you know maybe, and I didn't pick up on, but I don't know what the hell Harvey Keitel's character's problem is. Like, wh who hurt him when he was just a little baby in in you know King Louis France? Because the levels to which he takes this this grudge are just astounding to me and, and i never quite figured out why he his character's like that and our main character keith carradine you know he, he, there's not david. really to me oh i'm sorry david carradine. david um yeah uh too many carradines um i never quite figured out kind of what what drives him you know he's he's a soldier in napoleon's army but i don't really know anything about him i mean again maybe i, I just missed some of these clues but to me that was a huge difference between these two films one of the characters i actually kind of feel i know and um can sympathize with where in the other one I'm, they, the other characters just didn't land with me because i didn't feel like i understood them did you guys get that at all 
Yeah, I actually have. Uh, sorry, Nate. I'll, uh, just really quick, but I actually had my notes like in watching Duelist. Like, what the hell are they fighting about? I had to like comb through and and be like, is this? Am I remembering this correctly? But yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of mystery that the director is leaving there. I think the I think the biggest difference that I saw, and is maybe a little bit of in, indicative of the kind of careers they would have is. Duel, to me, is so Spielberg in the sense that it's like this high concept. It's man versus something. And it's like, and you know, in this instance, it's man versus machine. Or yeah. it's, uh, you know, a man versus, you know, science uh, with, you know, Jurassic Park or even Minority Report or man versus aliens. Um, even you could do like man versus sort of the embodiment of evil when he's fighting, you know, Nazis and Indiana Jones or even like Schindler's List. It's always like this very like man versus something. Whereas Ridley Scott uh, gets into these really sort of deep character studies, um, but to a point that, like, particularly in this movie, you don't really know what necessarily motivates them. Uh, so you're just sort of watching these snapshots in the lives of these characters. Um, I think in some movies of his, you figure it out a little bit better, and in other movies like this one, maybe you don't. Uh, Steve, I had the exact same reaction to you of, like, what is Harvey Keitel's problem? And there was even a line at one point where... There, someone was discussing is like, oh, he, you know, only oh, the, you know, the the duel between these two, the the argument between these two remains between them. And I was just like, what the hell is the argument between them? Right. Like, I'm like trying to go back and look at the Wikipedia. Like, what exactly occurred that is the argument? Like, it's just between them, and it's a secret to everybody else, but it's also kind of a secret to the audience of like, why is this guy so mad at this other guy? Um, this like personal affront. Uh, that, that that he perceives. So th- those yeah, are kind we, of the differences that I've seen. Yeah, I agree. So I agree uh, yeah, for I, and I think at one point, like before the final duel, I think um, David Carradine's character uh, Dar Darno, what's his name? I have it. I have it written down here. Dubert. Dubert. Um, Dubert. Uh, and and Farrow. Yeah. yeah. So Dubert, he's getting out of this carriage, and somebody is talking to him about. You know, Faroe wants to battle again. Like, of course he does. And he uh, he turns back and he says, ask him, was Mrs. Cleo worth it or whatever? And that was the name of, like, the very first scene he had to go and find Harvey Keitel's character and went to his home. And his wife was like, oh, he's at this brothel or whatever, run by Miss Cleo. And so then he goes to the brothel and he takes him from there, basically in handcuffs. And so I... My ultimate thought, I guess, is like, okay, I guess he's just embarrassed. Harvey Keitel was so embarrassed by this that he held this grudge for literal decades. Um, that's the only thing I could think of because I was just, yeah, I was, I was like, is he pissed because his wife found out that he was at the thing or that he that's made him? I, I was like, I took what? It. And yeah, it was just, it was nutty. But um, I mean, that's kind of the point because, yeah, all the characters were, and that's a really astute observation, Nate, because you look at, especially with the, uh, Scott's recent stuff, you know, like um, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, um, you know, it's it's just about these, like, why do men or humans, why do humans do the things that they do and what's their goal and what's their, you know, what are they trying to find? And I think that was that that was kind of what sold the duelist for me was the real the ending with, um, you know, we, I forgot to give spoiler alert if you haven't noticed it by now, but we're definitely <laughs> spoiling everything in these movies. But by the ending of um, The Duelist, you know, he, um, Dubert could have killed Faroe, Harvey Keitel's character, but doesn't and lets him live and says, now you're indebted to me forever. And mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel just slowly walks along the forest. And I loved it. I that I, I was like, this is fantastic. Because you see... He's at the top of this hill, and he looks off this, uh, you know, farmland or plantation, whatever it is, and um, it, the whole final duel, it had been raining and, you know, wet and gray, and then you see the sun coming out, and you're like, you know what, this is it. He's released from this prison because, the, you know, he lost the final duel, but now he can start a new life, and then it cuts back to his face, but on his face... And where he's standing, it's still raining, and his face is covered in rain, and he's just staring, and he's just like, I can't. He just, there's nothing now for me to live for, nothing for me to do. I thought that was fantastic. I love the ending. 
I, I love it's interesting actually. I think that both movies end very similarly. Yeah, both, I was gonna bring they, that bo- up. They, bo- they literally both end with characters looking over a cliff, like into the sun. He's more looking at like a sunset in, in duel. Um, but it was just going back to that original point of like, I didn't expect these movies to be very similar. It's like, my god, yeah. they're like tied exactly to like they have the exact same ending practically. It's very, yeah. very strange. Yeah, because the the ultimate, you know, ending that I the my my notes that I wrote down for both of them, I was like, did he win? You know, right. did he did he win? Did he thing. lose? Like, you cannot. It's it's impossible, and that's kind of the point. But yeah, it's again that was um, an unexpected um, sort of similarity. Yeah, that you know, which which was was quite. This is and this is part of the fun of the show, right? Like these kinds of of looking at comparing and contrasting them like you just never would have thought and now you can you know you look at them and you see those and then you see how they how their careers blossom from that which we'll obviously get to in more episodes down so um yeah so then now you know we can go what we can kind of just do a round table for this part here of just what were your we'll go with top three here top three things that you liked about the film so we'll start with um start with duel because that came first in 71 so um i guess i can go first and then steve you can roll and then nate um you can follow up there so um and for me with duel i loved all the sort of um the experimentation that spielberg had the stuff that i was talking about earlier that i just had that i hadn't seen before um where you know the tight shots and the the fast editing and the the long tracking shot and everything, I loved all that. And I wish he would have, you know, he didn't have to do that in all of his movies and make that his staple. But I wish he would have kept a little bit more of it than he had. Um, and then um, I loved the design of the truck in um, Duel. Like it's its own character. It's Fantastic. fantastically designed. And honestly, like. I felt like in terms of Spielberg's catalog, right? Like Jaws is considered like the horror movie of his, but I found this movie to be, be more closer to like horror than Jaws is. And because, you know, and there's even a character in Jaws who's just like, Oh, the shark, you know, he's a shark. He doesn't have any motivation, whatever he just eats. Cause that's what he's right. born to do. But this truck, you're like, there's a human being inside there. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what he is, what he wants, why he's doing this. And that's scary as hell, right? Yeah. And that was what was, yeah. you know, so scary about the um, character itself. And then um, I love the ending um, for that. Like, just kind of, he he finally, you know, there's that, at one point, Nate, like you mentioned earlier, this this masculinity, this toxic masculinity almost type of thing where he, he gets out of the car and he just starts running at him. And and the the truck is just like, oh, peace, and just, you know, scoots on further down the road, and it's like, nope. And then that was kind of another weird similarity, too, where it was like there's almost like this honor that he had in that moment where it was just like, you know, only if you're in a car. I'm only going to duel you if you're in a car, kind of like the duelists where they had this weird honor code. But um, so those were the those were the kind of three things that I liked the most about duel. Yeah, I, I love all of those as well, and I think to expand on – on um, kind of some of those points. I love the fact that he never, Spielberg, never tells us the reason the truck driver did all this. We never find out. I think a lot of movies, uh, you know, TV shows and stuff nowadays, there'd be an urge to explain it. Even Spielberg today, he would would explain it. Spielberg today. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. He would. He would. Um, And, you know, if it wasn't him, there'd be some sort of prequel series about what, you know, why did this truck driver lose his mind and decide to do this? But I just absolutely love that we never figured out. We never even see the guy's face ever in the entire film. Um, so that was one of my favorite things about it. Um, I love the sound. I feel like the sound work in this is just, it completely enhances the claustrophobia, the tension, the terror, just the, the constant droning of the truck during the chases. Um, I think even the, not just the sound editing, but the music as well. I got like psycho vibes in the last chase. Uh, it was, it was almost like he was just doing an homage to Hitchcock there, especially with some of the shots too earlier on. But the sound I think is a critical part of dual 
looked at work. And actually, it won the Emmy for Best Sound Editing because it was a TV movie first. So the year it came out, the next year it won the Emmy. Uh, so it did get recognized for that. Um, that was that was definitely my second one. And then there's there's a lot to love here, but if I had to pick one other thing that was my favorite, there's a shot after the school bus scene when the, the truck is coming back through the tunnel and it's just hidden in the shadows and then you see the headlights. I was... I was physically like jumping up and down. I was like, Oh my God, here it comes. <laughs> that was, that was really, really cool. I loved that, that particular shot and the setup for that. Um, but if you can't tell, I like the movie. So uh, there's really a lot to love, but Nate, what are your thoughts? I think for dual, the thing that I like the most is the blocking and the camera setups, which is such like a film thing to say. But if you watch this movie, the, the setting really doesn't, change now they're driving to a different place but it's mostly a guy in a car like that that's what we're mostly seeing a guy in a car you go back and rewatch that movie i'm not sure there's a single shot that is reused one time in the entire movie that somehow spielberg is able to block out these scenes and do something completely different through the whole movie depicting a guy in a car and i think any other filmmaker particularly on this budget, particularly with this time constraint, would have been uh, very much motivated to just like stick a couple cameras in a couple places and just let it play out from there and just kind of cut around it and reuse those same establishing shots and stuff. And the way that he blocks this, it, it's like every single shot is different. And it just shows how intuitive and how inventive Spielberg uh, was and uh, is. And I, I'm just... Again, I hadn't rewatched this since I was, uh, you know, maybe like in college, and it's just I, I was really blown away by that. Um, Steve, like you said in particular, I think the the unseen villain uh, I really loved, uh, very uh, very Spielberg esque. Again, a, a lot of parallels to Jaws, you know, not seeing the shark um, and uh, the 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 lack of the lack of motivation. Um, also, I think uh, uh, Jeff, you had said this that there's something that unseen just kind of the random acts of violence is a little bit scarier to me like it's unlikely we're going to be attacked by a shark and if we were to be attacked by a shark in real life it's like every shark attack is an accident like they think you're another kind of animal it it's shark attacks are very very rare shark attacks don't kill a lot of people worldwide there's something about this is just like at any any day you or I or anyone could be commuting to work and someone could have really bad road rage and just like have it out for you and, and try like, and that's unlikely to happen too, but that feels more real. We're all going to get into a car tomorrow and drive to work. And there's something very regular about that interaction that um, makes it really scary. I, I do think that it, that it makes it a little bit scarier than a lot of his stuff. Also, Steve, my third thing, like you said, is the sound design. There's there's one in particular where the sound of that truck and the horn of that truck becomes so synonymous with fear that he actually fakes you out at one point. At one point, the guy is waiting. He think he, he thinks he's just going to wait him out. He's going to let the truck drive like an hour down the road. And he's sitting next to train tracks, and he starts to fall asleep, and you start to hear that horn sound again. And he's using the exact same sound, and he like startles awake, and it's a train going by. So it actually starts to even... Uh, be kind of playful with the audience in terms of uh, what he's trying to do there with the sound design and kind of fake you out a little bit. Those would be the the blocking, the unseen villain, and the the, the regularity of what he's doing and the sound design are probably my top three for Duel. Yeah. And then, um, what about the Duelist? We'll just flip, we'll go in reverse. Nate, you can lead us off on that one. So, I mentioned this at the beginning. I really liked the patience of those scenes, um, those dueling scenes, and how, particularly that second one, how you're just you're just waiting forever. You don't see that in films anymore. You don't see um, filmmakers really, really letting a moment breathe for a long period of time. And I really liked that particular duel scene. I think my second one that I love that actually is a little bit different is the one where they are on horseback. And they are going toward each other. And you actually, you don't really see it because he starts to use these really random cuts back to things 
and you start seeing these really, really random things. And it's what I like about that is that it's actually so different from the other duel where it's not breathing so much and they're just coming at each other. And there's almost a little bit of confusion, uh, you know, kind of in the moment of what actually occurred. I think in that moment, it would have been really interesting for him to, or I think it would have been really obvious for him to just like actually show the duel on horses, but for him to like, start cutting randomly to other things and then you kind of find out later what occurred. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, that was probably my favorite duel scene uh, in the movie. Then this has also been said, but the use of the setting and the scenery. Um, when you see these duels, he holds these, Ridley Scott holds these establishing shots for a really, really long time. You get to see this French countryside in the background and then the end and the last duel it's like they go into this countryside and suddenly that countryside kind of becomes the scene of the duel and you've been seeing it in the background the whole time and then it kind of becomes the setting uh for the finale i really liked those three things yeah i I loved especially that last point you made uh that's probably one of my three the just the beautiful shots uh especially the, the landscape um the lighting was one thing that I thought was just amazing throughout the whole thing. And as I was watching it, I'm like, did he just watch Barry Lyndon and decide to rip off the whole thing? And he did, basically. I mean, not rip it off, of course, but when I was researching it, Barry Lyndon had just come out a couple years before, and specifically Ridley Scott talked about how much he loved that and wanted to emulate that. And so they used a lot of the same techniques of only using candlelights uh, for interior shots and only using you know, sunlight coming through the windows instead of actual, you know, camera lighting, uh, whatever the technical term is, Nate. I don't know. Uh, but you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of natural lighting. So that, I thought that was very cool. Um, and we, we mentioned it earlier, the the uniforms and just the feel, the grittiness, way, the Josh smoke, ha- the dirt. I think it really did a good job making you feel like you're there. And I'm a huge history buff, huge history buff. I love the Napoleonic War, you know, studying those as well. Um, and I think this movie was worth it alone just to see the setting in Russia. Uh, I thought the visual storytelling there of just how desperate that fight and that campaign was. These guys just frozen, you know, to the ground. Uh, that whole bit, I think that scene right there could be used in history classes. I feel like, uh, um, yeah, so despite me not being quite as high on this one as the duel as duel, uh, there were definitely great things in it. Oh, and Jeff, yes. I double checked. It is Keith Carradine. There are just too many Carradines. That's Keith. What? Yeah. Oh, it is Keith Carradine. You're right. Well, crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. I don't know why I thought David on that one. I even have well, it wrote okay. down that it was Keith Carradine. Sorry. Um, hashtag too many. Hashtag too many Carradines. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Similar to both of you, I, I love, I mean, like, first thing I wrote down is just some amazing shots in this movie. Like, before the second duel, where there's, like, this the French countryside, and they've got this long trail, and it's, like, sunset, and they've got some trees, and then you, like, he just, like, slowly moves across the trail, and you see this cottage in the background, and they, you know, stand up for the fight. It's just, it was fantastic. And then um, the Keith Carradine sort of love interest, um, Laura was her character's name. I'm not sure who the actress is off the top of my head. Um, and so there was a random scene where like they were together for a while and then she left and then they see each other again. And it could have very easily, you could just make it a very tight scene, like put them up against like, Oh, you know, here's a stone building, just a random one. But instead they took it out and made this like, you know, there's like this trail that comes up and then there's a rock wall and the trail wraps around the rock wall. And there's this, um, cottage or, or you know tavern or whatever at the top um and you know it just like he pulls back and you see it all in there as they're talking and like she's on the lower part and he's on the higher part and you know they're because the whole point of the conversation is that they're in different times and all that and uh or i'm sorry different points in their lives and, and it was just just everything like you mentioned nate i wrote down the you know horseback duel was fantastic the snow in russia steve like just all that was so um, incredible. And Steve, similar to what you mentioned, just the, the, um, the design, I mean, the, the, you know, not only the, the scenes, but like the, the outfits and and everything was just phenomenal. I cannot like still like stunned at that budget. They were able to come up with that because I was just like, I didn't know that. And they looked 
like they're they're I assume they were pretty um, uh, historically accurate, and they you know ridiculous all these ridiculous hats and things like that. But like it was it was fine. They were so well yeah, constructed that it didn't did take that, away didn't anything, that. and it was like it looked phenomenal. Um, and yeah, the the I mean I thought the same thing too. I was like Barry Lyndon, what what's going on here? <laughs> and because uh, all the indoor shots by the candlelight and everything yeah. and um. But, you know, I love those two. And then the final, um, I loved Keith Carradine's performance. You know, I've seen him in other things, obviously. But um, I've always just been like, oh, you know, he's he's fine. He's, he's good. Uh, but I just, I loved him in this movie. And the, you know, the juxtaposition that he had of this struggle, there's the external struggle of him with Faroe, with Harvey Keitel's character. And there's this internal struggle where he's just like, what the hell am I doing? Why do I keep doing this? I can stop this at any point, but I, I also can't, I don't, and I won't. And it's just, he talks to people. He's like, is there a way out of this? Can I stop this? And everyone's like, Nope, you're screwed. And he's just, (laughs) he's like, okay, I guess you're right. You know? And so this sort of idea that he's just powerless, um, because you know, you could also argue that, that Harvey Keitel's character was powerless to this urge that he had to duel. And, Garradine's character was was just powerless to this this sort of otherworldly thing that everyone knew about and everyone agreed to, but he didn't agree to it. But it's like this implicit agreement that they had to have, and that was just a really interesting aspect, I thought. Um, <clears throat> so those were the you know my favorites about that. And then I guess we don't necessarily have to do three apiece, but just things that we didn't like. Um, we'll keep it with Duelist for now. Um, I did not like that it was so hard to decipher what was going, like what was going on. Why was, why was people, why were they fighting? I I get that was kind of the point, but I I do think you could have more clearly drawn some themes back to the actual reason itself throughout the movie. If you made that more clear, another thing that, that I I didn't really like was the, um, the music. You talked about the sound design for both. And I thought that was great, but the actual music itself, and this actually is going to go for both movies. I thought it was very seventies, very like, especially with um, the duelist, there was this weird sort of um, break between like the super serious thing that's happening. And then all of a sudden they're like walking down the street and it's like this sort of weird bubbly music almost. And I'm just like, what this is, it's discordant. And I don't know, maybe that was the intention. But um, did not like that about us. Those were kind of the major gripes um, I had with Duelists. Steve, what, what about you? Um, I agree with both of or, well, all the things you said. One particular thing that I didn't like, I don't know if it's a taste thing, uh, just me personally, but the ex- extreme, extreme close-ups that I feel like are just littered throughout it. I feel like it was um, overused and a little disorienting, but maybe that was kind of part of the kind of part of the point. Um, but I, I just I didn't feel like that gave that didn't help my understanding of the the characters' motivations or the action necessarily. Um, every time the camera started going in even further, I'm just like, oh my god, not again! Uh, but that was one thing I really, really didn't like for, uh, in the movie. Um, we already talked about it, but uh, Faro Harvey Keitel's character. I, I don't think Harvey Keitel did a bad job. I just don't like that character uh, because, again, I just do not understand. I mean, I, I get it. Part of it is, you know, maybe it's at a certain point he's he doesn't even know why he's doing this anymore. You know, it's just this is what they've been doing for 15 years, and he knows he has to keep doing it. But I just I don't understand why he continues to do this. And because of that, I never quite bought the character. Um, so... I guess that's a pretty big complaint. One of the main characters of the movie, but um, that, that for sure is something I wasn't a big fan of. I would agree with uh, all the things that you've, uh, that you have said. I think uh, Jeff going back to yours, I, I would say probably the thing that I disliked the most about it was just at times it was just confusing as to why they were doing this. And you were at times left a little bit with a feeling of, I genuinely miss something. Like, am I not being a, a very good film viewer? Have I missed something? And I, I'm glad to hear I you guys say rewound. that. I literally rewound at one point. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear you guys say that I'm not. That that we all kind of felt like we'd sort of mm-hmm. missed something. There was some secret that we weren't 
part of. And so that, uh, that bothered me uh, a little bit. That was kind of my main uh, gripe with the duelist. So then flipping it back around, what about, what about duel? I will say for duel, um, I feel like, and this was interesting, I'll ask what version you guys saw, because the original version that was on TV was 75 minutes. And it was so popular, they go back in and they add scenes and they run it to 90 minutes. And the 90-minute version is the one that I was able to rent. It's interesting, though, because I thought that it did drag a bit, a little bit at the end. And I thought that there were only so many scenarios that they could repeat, and it kind of started to repeat. You kind of get hit over the head by the end of it. It was like, okay, we get it. The truck driver's psychotic. He's chasing the guy. We just keep sort of repeating these exact same scenarios over and over and over again. I thought that it actually could have been cut a little bit shorter, so it's interesting that the TV version, when it originally aired, was a little bit shorter. I feel like it just kind of dragged out the scenario. There's only so much you can do with that scenario, and I feel like it dragged it out like 15, 20 minutes too long of what you would have been able to do with that particular scenario. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. Um, It's not something I specifically called out in my notes, but I... I totally see where you're coming from, and um, I think it could have stood to be edited a little bit more. One particular aspect that I thought drug out too long was in the final uh, scene where the truck is crashing over the side. Um, the slow motion, I thought, just went on way too long over there. Um, I guess they just were really proud of that. Uh, but for whatever reason, I thought that that aspect of it, that you know, that sequence could have been shortened. But other than that, I, I don't know if there's a lot I would change about this movie. Yeah, for me, uh, similar to, to Duelist, I thought the music was a detractor. It was this weird sort of 70s like synth weirdness, and I was just like, what is this? And I just I did not like it. Um, the sound design, again, like you said, that was fantastic. I felt like the music took away from that, um, which is so funny because, you know, Going forward, Spielberg collaborates with John Williams so often. Music is always such a central part of his movies that it was weird to have. It seemed like it was pretty clear that that they did it on as low a budget as they could. I mean, it, it was basically like porn level music. <laughs> I thought it was just not good. Um, <clears throat> and the other, um, and you know, this may be a little unfair, just because you know. Dennis Weaver's just not the, the class of actor um, that uh, Kytel or, or Carradine are, but, you know, I, I just, I thought he was kind of hokey as a character, and there were, he had his moments for sure where I was like, okay, okay, that was good, um, but yeah, just overall uh, a little, and then um, they, uh, the um, the ending, kind of what you said, you, you talked about the um, slow motion part, and I think, um, for me, it was just this this sort of weird. It just felt like they wanted to end it, and so they did, because it was um, the this truck driver outwitted him at every turn. Every time he thought he won, the truck driver came back and he was good. And then, like he so very obviously, you know, is like leaning out of his car, like he's gonna dive out and and do a dive bomb with without him being in the car and the truck driver's like I'm just going to keep on going and and then like oh no I didn't see this cliff here it it felt like it was just something where it was like nope they're just uh they just wanted to end the movie and so that's how they ended it um so that was kind of what I what I didn't like um but yeah so I mean that kind of kind of sums it up for both so final thoughts on the movie um I guess we could go to Two ratings, right? Final thoughts. I thought both movies were phenomenal. If if you know, if nothing else, doing this podcast, I'm so glad for some of the movies that I maybe haven't seen from both directors' catalog. I'm so glad I've seen both these movies. I thought they were both great. Um, and I, um, I will have one that I pick as better, but uh, it is kind of a cop out answer to say I thought that Duel was more entertaining, and I thought the Duelist was a better movie. So, ultimately, that leads to me. Uh, I think I would give the nod to Duelist in this. I thought the performances were better. Um, I thought the um, just the story was just a little bit more interesting uh, overall. Even though, despite we said the confusion about it, it was still you know 
because of the characters, I think it made it made it good. So I I give the nod to the duelist, which is is quite funny because the first episode, and, and I'm supposed to be the Spielberg guy, and I've already I've already flipped sides. So uh... well, we didn't plan it this way, but uh, I'll just I won't bury the lead. I'm going with the duel, and I'm supposed to be the Ridley Scott guy. So crazy, uh, the world's gone. We already, <laughs> we already got a showdown. Um, I kind of see what you're saying about the performances on the duelist, but I think there were also more opportunities for different performances um, to kind of take center stage. The duel to me just is, it's I don't know, I don't want to say it's almost a perfect movie, but it's its pacing is just so good and the tension is so good, and it, there's hardly anything I think I would cut out. I would watch that movie again and again. And one thing I always ask myself when I watch one of these movies, do I ever want to sit down and watch this again? There's a world of content out there, right? And if I'm ever going to rewatch something, that's something new that theoretically I can't watch. I absolutely want to rewatch Duel. And Duelists, I could take or leave. Um, I, I kind of want to make this a thing. Duel, I give, as a star rating, I give four out of five catalytic converters. Because that truck is just spewing pollution into the desert sky. Uh, he even mentioned it. Talk about pollution. Even they knew in the 70s. Um, Duelists, I only give two pairs of skin tight wool trousers out of five. So that's where I stand. That's I guess rough. we're going to our expert. So I'm going to have you know to break what? the tie between break you. Break the tie here. This is why you brought that's, that's me not in. Even, that's is... not even Duel is slightly better. That's like Duel is, is like way better. And yeah, for a near perfect I, film, four out of five catalytic converters is is low. That's a tough. I, Steve's got a tough rating system to crack here. I may uh, need to tweak my my rating system. Those were what I wrote when you know I watched these films. I think I probably would bump Duelist up one because some of the things we've talked about. But anyway, Nate, who's wrong? So you it's clearly you brought me in. I I think you're both right and you're both wrong <laughs> in a lot of ways, um, as as we all are. Um, I didn't anticipate having to break the tie in the first episode. Here we go. I will give the nod to the duelist. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and the reason, and I, I have a reason. There is something about, and this honestly probably comes down, as a lot of these things do, to personal preference. I do think, uh, Steve, when you were giving background, you talked about the director's ages, and I think that was very telling. Mm-hmm. Spielberg, uh, this movie was uh, Duel was released. I think the year he was like twenty five years old, yeah. And uh, the Duelist was released the year that Ridley Scott was forty years old. And there's something about the Duelist that strikes me as this guy had thought a lot longer about the kind of movie that he wanted to make. And not that that's a knock against Spielberg, but we know a lot of those early Spielberg films, even with Jaws, which we'll uh, talk about, I think next week. Um, was very much like a on the fly i have to figure it out and it's new hollywood and i'm the i'm the new kind of director that will figure out things on the fly and looking back on the movies now decades later i appreciate i i appreciate that kind of thinking and the kind of movie that he made that way but i like the uh the little bit more principled and a little bit more thought out this is the kind of movie i want to make i've been uh I've been going through these grueling years of making television commercials and trying to get funding for the kind of movie I want to make. And now I have it. And this is the movie that I want to make. And I feel that a little bit more with the duelists and this will come as a surprise because Steve, I, I, I use the exact same question. I feel like there's uh, aspects of the duelists that I would, I would sit down and watch, uh, watch that movie again before I rewatch duel again. Personal preference. You know, I, I'm there you have disagree. it. As in all things, I'm right and Steve is wrong. So here we go. <laughs> Off to a great start with the podcast. I love it. Well, it's quite simple. Ridley Scott is clearly the better director, as I've always said. <laughs> well, now, hold on here. Come around. We got a whole season left to really decide on this. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. And speaking of which, so this is our this is our first episode here. Um, so you kind of have an idea for the scope here of what we're trying to do and the, the direction of how we're going to do it. We're not going to be slavish to the format we have here, you know, but it's kind of a, um, a good way to, to discuss everything. Um, and, uh, next, next week's episode to give you a little preview next week on the duel of the greats will be monsters jaws versus alien. So when we first came up with this idea, this was one of the ones we, 
absolutely wanted to do. Both Jaws and Alien are like my children. I, those are two of my all-time favorite movies. Um, so that's that's going to be really, really tough for me to pick on that one. I'm going to have to do some real big soul-searching, but I'm super excited to hear everyone's thoughts about those. Um, so yeah, Jaws and Alien will be next week. So stay tuned with us. We really hope, um, you know, tentatively planned out for um, quite a few episodes, 16 episodes we have, uh, you know, hopefully planned out for this. So we hope you'll, you'll stay with us on this journey here for Duel of the Greats. And um, guys, any, any, any final words, final thoughts? I think that everything oh. just went fantastic. And I'm looking forward to... I had never seen The Duelist, but I'm looking forward to next week and some future weeks where I really have to go back and rewatch movies that I've already seen and really actually make a determination of which one I think is better. Yeah, same. I'm glad we got to watch some stuff that I didn't even know existed, really, and just excited to go on this journey with you guys. Brandon, our producer? Yeah, I, I just... Uh, I just had one question since you, it was brought up earlier. Are, are, is there going to be an episode where you guys are comparing porn directors since you, you've already brought it up once in the first episode? That's that's a future season. This is only <laughs> only Scott and Spielberg in this season. We'll have to we'll discuss that for a future season. <laughs> but I like where your head's at. Hmm. So anyway, that's, she said. Um, <clears throat> that's it for us. Thank you all so much for joining. Uh, we really appreciate it, and as Steve said, he's excited to take this journey. So am I. So is Nate, and we hope you guys will be excited to take this journey with us as we delve into the the career of these two fantastic filmmakers. So please stick with us, and and we'll see you next week. <laughs>